0: Turning to Proverbs this afternoon, as with many topics in the book of Proverbs, there are many uh, verses that are dotted throughout. There are some expositional sections like we just read dealing with. Uh, economic prosperity. But many of the verses, uh, many of the uh, topics like the fear of the Lord and the uh, studying of Christ, Christology, theology, uh, pride versus humility, and so on, we have verses that are just dotted throughout the 31 chapters the subject this afternoon beginning basically with chapter 10 is in every single chapter throughout Proverbs and you would think that maybe this would be a a message that some business owner or uh, someone giving a a lecture for employees but nevertheless it is a subject for God's people it's kind of a shoot off from the eighth commandment thou shalt not steal the precept to remember is that we are to realize that it's more blessed to give than to receive but remember a text that we considered last week was not only should we not steal but that we should labor with our hands not only to have enough to provide our needs, the needs of our family and our own, but to be able to give to those that are in need. And as the Lord commands us to be such good stewards and to uh, be careful about our economic um, well-being, you can understand why He gives us many verses about Economic security, economic growth, wealth, money, and business practices are throughout the book of Proverbs. And so I'm going to give us some some uh, general principles that we find many, many texts that seem to underline these. As you would think about your business practices as a Christian, your... Um, homestead. Remember, one of the creation institutions is work. We are to work by the sweat of our faces. We are to um, gain possessions, property. We are to work for our food and our clothing and our Housing, And we are to work so that we might be able to give to those that are in need. Adam was given a job before he was given a wife. So what would we think we would find in Proverbs? The first principle to our economic well-being, again, the Eighth Commandment, the precept is, we are to be concerned for our neighbor's economic welfare not just for ourselves. Certainly, we are not to steal from ourselves. And people who are lazy, the Bible teaches, are robbing themselves of God's blessing and the needs for the soul and the body and the family. But we are to be concerned for our neighbor. It says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so the Eighth Commandment, we are to be concerned for our neighbor's welfare. So we teach ourselves and our neighbors. The first principle is all belongs to the Lord. We've got to keep that in mind. The Lord made the earth. We're told in Proverbs by wisdom and by understanding in chapter 3 that He established the earth and the heavens. In chapter 8, He made the earth and the heavens. He established all the ends of the earth, we're told, in chapter 30. And we're told that by the fear of the Lord, chapter 22, that Our riches and honor and life, He has all the wealth of the earth in His possession. He is lending anything to you and me, whether it be gold or silver or or food or any anything that we own has come from the Lord who made all things. So that's the first principle that Proverbs would lay down: that all belongs to the Lord. We're told in the Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Do we keep that in mind? Or we? It's mine, mine. No, it was. It's the Lord's, and He has entrusted the earth to us. The earth has He given to the sons of men. The second thing we find, and this is again throughout all Proverbs, is a good work ethic. All belongs to the Lord, but the Lord teaches us a good work ethic. I have discovered in studying Proverbs that there are a few verses that are repeated, and I may have a message on the repeated verses in Proverbs. And When something is repeated, it's like what we underline when we read our Bibles and when we read a book. It's especially um, significant to us, at least at the time. And one verse that's repeated twice in Proverbs is that a, a a lazy person will give the excuse that a lion is outside. Uh, there's something outside that's gonna that's going to uh, hurt me. So he doesn't even want to start his day of work. We can be full of excuses. I don't feel well today. I don't want to work today, but this one seemed to have an excuse that there's something violent and hurtful. But we read together in chapter 20, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right or righteous. We should teach our children a good work ethic from the very beginning. I, was to t- I, I remember from very young a very young age having the responsibility of taking the trash out. And uh, it makes a difference. And when I was old enough, my father had me mow the lawn. And uh, I had various jobs growing up, emptying the uh, dishwasher, um, vacuuming the house. And, I, I, and it, was, it was obviously, I had been begging for years for a dog. And uh, my parents finally gave in, you know, the begging child and she gave they gave me a golden retriever and his name was Dusty that's a that's uh, a uh, coin name isn't it at least I could have had a name like thunder or lightning but Dusty and if you know anything about golden retrievers they shed all over the place and so it was only natural right for my father and mother to say you've got the job of vacuuming and uh I'm serious, I can remember just just uh, tufts of, of, uh, of dusty fur, literally the color of dust. And those vacuums would just get full very quickly. But right from a very early age, we should learn to, to labor. Our parents should not have the attitude, well, I can do it better myself. Wouldn't you rather that it was not as perfect as you like it and you're teaching your child a good work ethic? But from the very beginning of Proverbs, chapter 1, the warning is not to join thieves and robbers, but to make sure that you you not only have an honest employment, but that you work with those who are honest. Chapter 6, we're given the illustration of an ant that prepares for the winter, a good work ethic, uh, versus sloth. Chapter 12: Better to have a low social status than to be a Ph.D. on welfare. That's I'm, I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing, but that's essentially was it what it's saying. And a few verses I'd have us to turn to, but uh, look at chapter 12 and verse 9. We certainly have to be careful about what we think is a low status. It's easy for me to say that because um, you can call me Jackie Gleason for the for the for the uh, you guys. Many of you guys aren't old enough to know who Jackie Gleason was, so I guess you'll have to look it up. But that would be considered perhaps a low status job, but that's okay. Um, there are many things I can't do. You don't want me in a mechanics shop. Believe me. I'll joke with our mechanics from time to time and I'll say I can I can wash windows and change oil. Is there anything else that you'd like me to do today? But in chapter 12 and verse 9, we read, He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. So you see what I mean by better... To have a job that's considered low status, like a slave, than to be a PhD lacking bread. And yet, we find that that is so often the case out there in the world. Be sure of the Lord's calling as far as a good work ethic. So often, people are going into fields that they never complete. We need to pray for our children that they'll know the will of God. And we need to observe them remember Adam was able to name the creatures by their movements and by their the, the, perhaps the shape of their bodies and uh, by the sounds that they made and, and so on by the appetites that they uh, portrayed and uh, we need to watch our children what are they inclined toward not every you know Esau was inclined to the outdoors and Jacob to the indoors. So we need to certainly uh, observe our children but not compare them and favor the one over the other because of whatever they're inclined toward. Chapter 12 and verse 11. or Latin lot in chapter 12. Uh, someone who tills the ground will be satisfied with bread. So again, you have the work ethic. Chapter 12, verse 14. The recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him he labors. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Verse 24, the hand of the diligent beareth rule. Chapter 13, verse 4, the soul of the diligent is made fat. Verse 23, much food is in the tillage of the poor. In verse 15 of chapter 19, you don't need to turn there, but the idle soul suffers hunger. So the Proverbs throughout teaches us a good work ethic, just like the Lord said in the garden. Even before the fall, he put Adam in the garden to uh, to to, uh, um, to manage it and to uh, to guard it. He knew that certainly there was an enemy out there, and Adam failed in his being a a uh, officer to to uh, security person to keep. The devil from invading the garden, and in Proverbs there are a lot of wisdom. There are a lot of wise practices. For instance, Um, the idea here in Proverbs is not only do we have a good work ethic, but the but the employment that we're engaged in, we should be as skillful as we can in that employment. We should always be um, improving our skills where a mechanic is getting new tools. He's reading new manuals. Maybe he's taking uh new classes to deal with the computer age. Obviously you're not going to be a very good mechanic today unless you're acquainted with um, computers and, and computer modules. And of course a lot of mechanics will push you on to another mechanic, but the point is you're always improving. Homeschool teachers improving, getting better materials, and and praying for a, a fertile mind, and it's before the Lord praying for sharpening of our skills. Preachers should be reading uh, good commentaries and and uh, books that really focus in on some of the studies of Scripture, and right down the line in every in every employment, warning us. That poverty shall come to him that refuseth instruction. That's interesting. Now, again, sometimes people think that when we preach from the pulpit, we should always be preaching spiritual subjects or you know, subjects like like uh, Christology or or theology. Well, this is practicality. I mean, this is this is in the in the realm of sanctification. You're using your gifts to to, uh, to to help people, to honor God, to to make a way in life, to be helpful in society, to be helpful in the church. And so, there's a principle here in chapter thirteen, verse eighteen. If you refuse instruction, in other words, if you're refusing to better yourself, to improve your skills, your gifts, then you're going to tend to poverty. You're going to be stale. You're going to be you're going to be at a stagnate. You're going to be a stalemate. Chapter 16 says self preservation is a good motivation for your labor. Look at chapter 16 and verse 26. Sometimes the Lord just lets us get hungry so that we might get motivated to work, to labor. 1626 says he that laboreth, laboreth for himself for his mouth craveth it of him. The idea there is that um, you've got to preserve yourself. If you're hungry, you've got to get food. And you're not going to get food by stealing. Or often people are thinking they're going to get their needs by doing nothing, by just signing up in government programs. And many times, uh, many time, many areas this is stealing. But I'm not saying that Government programs aren't necessary. There are people that get injured and people that get sick, and they need uh, to be recipients of the generosity of people and churches and and even in government. But self-preservation makes a good motive for labor. Um, chapter twenty-seven, verse eighteen. Chapter 27 verse 18 Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Here's a person poised to do whatever it takes to further his employer's business. In other words, he's always poised and always ready to do his job. He's not waiting for someone else to do it. He wants to work. He's available. He's the one that's that's as it says here, he's keeping the fig tree. He's not waiting for his neighbor to do it. He's waiting upon his master. In some businesses, everybody is wanting someone else to do it. Uh, they don't like diligent people. They don't like people keeping the law, as the one proverb says, and we take it in a practical way whoso keepeth the law, um, the idea is battles with his neighbor. And if you're working hard at work, you might be the object of hatred because everybody wants to drag their feet and uh, in many ways people don't mind the, uh, the diligent one, the Christian one doing all the work but of course that's not fair either but the point of the matter is that we're always ready to work for the Lord and always ready uh, to do our job always on the ball as far as uh, our labor is concerned having said that about a good work ethic tithing is an important principle in scripture we've already said that we understand all belongs to the Lord but you can't tithe what you don't have a good work ethic is important and once you develop a good work ethic and you're able to gain profit then obviously we should tithe what belongs to, to the Lord honor the Lord with thy substance and with the Last fruits of all thine increase? No, the first fruits of all thine increase. The first, off the top. And we call that the tithe. But actually, if you study the Old Testament, the Israelites be given, were to give more than 10%. But I can remember when I was converted as a freshman at West Virginia University, I had a, a uh, grocery Job back in Syracuse and I was working in the dairy department but I remember uh, not long after being saved might have been the second semester I was saved in November of 1978 so it's going on how many years Uh, in two months what is that 40 something 44 years in in 2022 44 years ago in November But I remember being in one of the church members' homes, and and we were discussing tithing. And I had just begun to tithe, and I said, Well, I tithe off my gross, or I tithe off off my net income. And whatever my check says, I tithe. And the the one lady said, Oh, really? So you you, you want the government to get the first part of of your paycheck? What about the Lord? Isn't He supposed to be first? And I said, so I'm supposed to be giving off the gross part of my in- income. Absolutely, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all thine increase. And uh, it was a challenge, you know, when you've been living 18 years selfishly to learn to reverse your selfishness and and give off the top um, of your paycheck. And it took it took first of all the desire in my heart to obey God, and and it becomes easy when your heart. Takes over, doesn't it, when your heart is first given to the Lord? But it wasn't easy at first. Did you want to spend it on yourself as a, as a lost sinner? So tithing is is important. Generosity, fourthly. So we're to have a good work ethic and tithe what we earn. But the Lord tells us, remember, in the book in the New Testament, we're not only to to labor that we might provide for our needs but to give to those that are in need and all throughout Proverbs you have verses like withhold not good to him that is to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it that's not just referring to someone that you owe a debt to but someone who is whose need um, you're indebted to because you can meet it We're, we're told over and over again in chapter 11 to scatter our seed to be liberal in our giving, to be who in the water shall be watered also himself. just the idea that it is more blessed to give than to receive is scattered throughout. We're to have mercy on the poor. The Bible says, if you have mercy on the poor, chapter fourteen, you honor the Lord. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Now that can be taken in a negative or a positive light, but. We are to be people that give gifts that are generous, but we need to be careful that we don't provide a, a a covetous, jealous, enabling atmosphere by our giving. We've got to be very skillful in being anonymous, for instance, and and being very careful when we give to to uh, not uh, promote a greedy atmosphere. I can remember our church found out about a family in Buffalo many years ago that was in need. And we must have taken them four bags of groceries and I don't remember if there was any cash involved. There may not have been, but I went into this home in Buffalo and we had we no doubt there were at least a hundred dollars, if not more, in groceries. And I and and I sat with them for a little while in their in their Living room, and uh, if I remember right, there may have been a little cash involved because the woman took a bus, and we felt that whatever it was, a ten or twenty dollar bill was a fit, was enough without getting too uh, too much. But I can remember when I was when I said goodbye, I had a word of prayer, I said goodbye. I wasn't I wasn't I didn't even touch my car yet, and one of the children ran out and said, "What about me? What about me? Uh, can't you give me money too?" And, you know, I sensed it as just a power grab. You know, here we were being generous to the mom and to the whole family. And, and uh, it certainly turned me sour. When, and it was an older person. It wasn't just like a little kid asking for money for candy bars or something. It certainly would have been when worthwhile. But it was a person that could work. And uh, he was there begging for more. Wasn't content with what was given. But we need to be wise in our generosity. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. And then chapter 19, he that has pity upon the poor gets dividends from the Lord. That's the the essence of that text. But blessing is especially upon believers who are generous. Chapter 15, verse 6, In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. So there's a principle there. For, especially for believers to be generous. Now, having said that, the Bible and in Proverbs tells us the ways in which we get honest gain. And the first is what we looked at earlier, um, honest employment by a good work ethic. Or to be careful that our gain comes from honest work. Um, not just work, but honest work. He that gathereth by labour shall increase. There's the the honest gain by work. And then chapter fourteen, in all labour, there's profit. But we have to be careful that we don't get, uh, that we don't work some uh, job that is vain, that is unjust and dishonest. I could not, uh, I in good conscience could not be a salesman of, of alcohol. I could not be driving a truck around. uh, um, selling liquor and beer I could not sell cigarettes I there are a lot of jobs that you and I could not in good conscience Uh, I could not have a, a Sabbath job of unnecessary work right down the line Christians should have a conviction. A person, when he's saved, should develop a conviction. And when he goes to a job where it's not necessary on the Lord's Day, say, I can work any day but the Lord's Day. And uh, we, need to, we need to fly our, our colors very quickly. And of course, wealth gotten by gaming and lottery is is wealth gotten by vanity. Now, the Bible does tell us that you can gain wealth and gifts or a The honest gain can come by investment, though it says usury seems to be interest seems to be many ways in a negative context. But Jesus told parables about trading and investing. The idea that Proverbs says is number one: don't don't make your brother if you let him borrow something. Don't make him have to pay interest. And if you have a business that's, that you, that gains by interest, do not have exorbitant interest. And so those principles are clear in the Bible. But investment is a legitimate way for gain, just like work. A gift. The Bible says a gift in secret pacifies anger. For instance, and that's not a bribe. It can be, but the idea is. Um, a gift, a man's gift maketh room for him. Whether you're talking about a man's talent, or just being a generous person, it makes sometimes gets into a home by bringing a, a pie or bringing food or bringing, you know, fuel money that you know that they need. It's a way in which you can reach a soul by by a gift of food or funds. Um, and then inheritance is legitimate as long as it's not an inheritance gotten hastily at the beginning that we read about earlier. There are people like like the prodigal. I want my inheritance now. And it's a greedy grab for their inheritance. But a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. So as parents, we should be looking not only to help our children, but also to help our grandchildren and even beyond if possible. But I know that there are believers that have lived all their lives hand to mouth and they've given what they could, but they've never been able to Pass any inheritance on to their children or grandchildren. And they've lamented that, but the children have not gotten bitter. They knew that their parents worked hard, they loved them, they gave them what they could. But not always this is not saying that, that a person that doesn't leave an inheritance is necessarily evil, though how often do you see those, those bumper stickers, I'm spending my children's inheritance. That's evil. And uh, many times it's not just a joke. They're actually doing such a thing. So that's something to keep in mind as a parent as we spend things. Do I need a new vehicle? Can I hold on to my old vehicle? Uh, Because you and I know how often have people said to me when they fix that old truck, don't you think you should consider upgrading? I I think that's been said to me about four or five times. And I've simply said, do I really want a new truck payment? or even a newer truck payment. But my answer really should be, I want to have a little bit to give to my children or grandchildren. And so those things need to be kept in mind. Even a wise servant servant shall share in the inheritance over a a shameful son. And so here again is a a servant who's working hard and he's he's been added to the family, so to speak, because of his work ethic. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. So, um, a prudent wife is an inheritance from the Lord. So, we find honest gain by work, by a gift, by inheritance, by investment, and you might add by a just lawsuit because we talked about there are unjust lawsuits that are a breach of the Eighth Commandment. But, there are times when a just lawsuit actually does... Uh, provide for a family that may have lost something valuable or a home and instead of necessarily buying a new home they they rent so they can have something to be able to to, uh, even give as an inheritance or have to spend in old age if possible and then there may be insurance uh, whether it be a fire or a flood that may be used lawfully uh, for other ends and uh, so we uh, we understand in, in scripture of the need of understanding where uh, where just gain is is uh, is listed and the the principle of saving is found in Proverbs 2 the Bible says an ant gathers in summer and harvest so it's important to, to prepare are we preparing for winter we all have the idea well all you we got to do is go to the store the stores are open in january as well as july but you and i know that that there are things that you're not going to secure in january that you could prepare for in july Um, we're still eating corn from last summer and there's nothing like uh, frozen uh, corn off the cob in january and february Uh, it's the next best thing to corn on the cob now but there's a principle of, of of looking ahead, preparing ahead. You and I know, we don't know, could we get a worse inflation in the future? Um, we don't know. Chapter 10, verse 15, the strength of purchase, the ability to help. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. Now that may sound negative. In many contexts, are negative is a person's trusting in his riches. But there's a point here that it is a strong city if you are prepared for the future and you also have an ability to help others in times of need. It is a strong city if you're able to, uh, 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 to save for, for these emergency times. And Again, not just for ourselves, but we're saving to help others in times of need. There's treasure and oil in the in the dwelling of the wise. We're told in chapter 21. Again, it's it's the principle that the wise have saved, and they have not just been spendthrifts and spent while they have made things. Some people will spend their whole paycheck as they go to the the, the taverns and pay for everybody's drinks, or some people will just spend their paychecks on on uh, toys and things that are unneeded and things that uh, are just temporal needs or temporal wants. May I say a good wife or a good husband are, is important even as you think about the subject of economic welfare. Chapter 14, every wise woman builds her house but the foolish woman plucks it down with her hands. You want a wife that's going to to uh, take care of the house. That is going to... To, uh, appreciate items and it's not going to be uh, you don't want you don't want to marry a spouse that has temper tantrums and you have to fix the windows or uh, pick up glass every day chapter 19 a prudent wife is from the Lord uh, chapter 31 of course the chapter about virtuous women a husband has no need of spoil if he has a good godly and frugal wife. She eateth not the bread of idleness. Chapter 31 and verse 27. So, your spouse is critical. And uh, the way we bring up our children is very important for our economic welfare and also for the welfare of our neighbor. We should be concerned about who our neighbor marries. Who our children marry. It's not just who we marry, but now we have an opportunity to choose a wife, choose a husband that's frugal, that's saved, that's serving the Lord that cares for people that loves the church that's, that, that maintains their prayerful devotion to God all these are very important not just for our spiritual lives but for our economic welfare that helps us interact with people and win souls with, with, uh, with our wealth a huge subject in Proverbs is to avoid unnecessary and impulsive debt Chapter six, all the way through chapter twenty-two, the snare of a handshake agreement. Deliver thyself from the from the, the surety of your friend. Beware of impulsive handshakes, right? And uh, will smart for being surety for a stranger. It says in chapter eleven, "He that hateth suretyship is sure." Now, that's that's a that's a tongue twister. Say it fast. He that hateth suretyship is sure, but. The idea, the word "shirtyship" is indebtedness and and uh, pledging yourself and your wealth to someone that is undependable or some um, venture that is risky and that you, that, that you just shouldn't shouldn't venture into. I can remember years ago. I think it's long enough, and I don't think anybody's been listening that that even knows what I'm talking about but I ventured pretty pretty quickly into a business situation where I was selling recorders and recording uh music and I was traveling to Columbus Ohio and Cincinnati and Erie and Pittsburgh and and after a while I was told well if I'm going to be doing this out of state I need to I need to apply for to pay taxes to Ohio and and Pennsylvania. And, and I remember, I, I must have been a year into this venture, and it was as strong as if a voice came from heaven, go make sure thy friend. In other words, be like a roe from the hand of a hunter. Get, you know, extricate yourself from this situation. Because what it started to happen was, I started to get letters from the internal Re- the Revenue Service of Ohio and other. You owe this and not this, and I'm thinking I got myself into a bee's nest financially. We're gonna know, anyway, I was I was getting back at midnight on sat 11, 12 o'clock Saturday night, and I had to preach in the morning. And Tanya remembers, but I remember strongly the Lord saying, "Out! It's time immediately. You have been impulsive in this." Now, I was making 500 dollars in a night. They were throwing 500 dollars in my lap. but I didn't know what to do with the 500 dollars. How much of it is this is tax? And what do I, I just remember, I got to get out, help me, Lord. I had to write letters to these revenue services, and it was like a year or more, two years before it seemed like everything ended, and I was safe. But you we have to be so careful. Sometimes dollar signs can really deceive us, can't they? And we need to be very careful to avoid unnecessary and impulsive debt. Someone who's impulsive, was told in chapter 17, is void of understanding. Remember the famous verse, the borrower is servant to the lender. So as much as we can. Why don't I want another truck payment? Because I don't have a truck payment right now. And what a blessing to not have any vehicle payment, if possible. And the point is, here's here's how to live. If if you if you have a vehicle, if you can stay within five hundred dollars or less every month of repairs of a vehicle, you're in good shape. Someone might say four hundred dollars or three hundred, but in other words, at the end of the year, if I have not paid, if I have paid six thousand dollars or less, then it's better than a truck payment. And I think we've stayed well below that figure. Or else, if you want to constantly be a borrower, look at chapter 22 and verse 27 says, If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? How would you like to have your bed taken out from your bedroom? How often have we seen collectors do... Uh, Take someone's car and they wake up in the morning and look out the window, and their vehicle is no longer in their driveway. Now, usually, if they take your bed out from under you, you're going you're to know about it. They're not going to take you out sleeping on top of it. But the point is be very careful that you don't borrow more than you can pay. Be very, very careful. Discern material and spiritual riches. There is it maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is it maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Keep our material and spiritual uh, riches understandably separate. Value gain as good stewards. A fool roasteth not that which he took in hunting. Wouldn't that be sad to spoil what you took in hunting because you're too lazy to get your game ready? But the substance of a diligent man is precious. You know, Even Jesus told His disciples, don't throw out the extra bread or fish, right? He said, gather it up that you lose nothing. And I think that we should be more concerned about throwing food out than sometimes we are, aren't we? Let's be careful. Not be... Two beneath eating seconds and thirds after a day or two. Take care of property or else. Chapter 23 is interesting. Verses 30 to 34. I went by the field of the slothful and warns about our slothfulness. Chapter 23 at the end. We should take care of what is ours. How often people buy things two or three or four times because they can't find the previous purchases because the property is not taken care of. And that's always smarting, isn't it? When you buy something, you say, wait a minute, I, we bought that last year and somebody finds it under, beneath a pile of whatever. We need to be very careful. Some people are so rich they they seem to throw out anything. I mean, you can go to some places in in western New York or the south towns uh, on trash night and you can't believe what you can pick up from their trash. I remember going through a neighborhood when we first came to Buffalo. Don't you remember? It seems like we packed our car every Monday night or whatever night it was I remember finding two brand new jugs of of antifreeze and the only thing wrong was they just had a little dimple in the top the the top where you open it was pushed in a little bit and all I had to do was pop it up and everything was fine they were throwing it out because there was a dimple in it but it's it's, it tells us in chapter 23 that um, 23 sorry 30 to the 34 I have here. Yeah, it's at the end of chapter 24. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. It was grown over with thorns and and so on. A little sleep, a little slumber. So thy poverty shall come. Um we need to be we need to be good stewards of the property that God has given us, and be careful that we don't let it be wasted. I remember sitting in chapel one morning in, in South Carolina, and the vice president was was giving an illustration when he was a, a president of some business that he had to hire one person for a position, and um, he, did, he said both seem to be equally qualified for the job. And, and uh, his business partner said, well, go buy each person's property. And that might help you make a decision and see how they take care of their property. And, and the person, if there is a distinct difference, then you'll know what kind of person, employee that you're going to hire. Well, he said that's what it took. He said he went by the first person's property and there was junk all over the place and things weren't being taken care of. And uh, he just said, well, whatever. And he went by the next person's property and it was it was pristine. they both they both had decent jobs and they both seemed to be equal. But he said the one the second person had things in their place and seemed to appreciate the possessions that he had. And he knew who to hire immediately just by the again the, the value of your gain that you have and that we will be good stewards of what the Lord has entrusted to us And uh, in chapter 27 be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and it goes on to say that riches are not forever and the point is we are to be involve our, ourselves fully in our enterprises but remember that wealth is transitory so as we we're taking care of our transitory things because we're good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. But at the same time, the writer tells us, keep, keep your things in perspective. Remember that wealth is transitory. These are not idols, but they are possessions God has entrusted to you. So in on one sense, be a good steward. On the other sense, worship the Lord and don't be an idolater. So it's amazing how wise and uh, the proverbs are they seem to cover every single angle and remember the virtuous woman perceives that her merchandise is good she values what she has gained and she takes care of it so many principles here about economic welfare we are to avoid waste and loss the, 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 the wise man or the, the, the young man is, is warned about the strange woman that lust will bring you to a piece of bread. Uh, chapter 6, verse 26. Uh, lust will rob you of your possessions. Uh, chapter 5, it talks about how you'll uh, spend your substance and you'll even lose your health. Chapter 18, sloth, the slothful person is a great waster. Literally a master of destruction of his property. Of things that are not taken care of. Chapter 20, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is not deceived. So what he's saying there is a drinker, a, an imbiber of anything good is going to waste. Chapter 20 and verse 13, a lover of sleep will come to poverty. I coined a word here, uh, philashana used the Greek word and a Hebrew word the love of sleep Philoshana. well you know Philadelphia and whatever uh, a lover of sleep 2117 lovers of pleasure if you love wine and oil you'll lose he's warning against extravagant lux- luxury chapter 21 again a spendthrift the foolish uh, we'll look at that 21 verse 20 we're told There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man spendeth it up. The word spendeth literally is swallows it up. He isn't wise enough to uh, to keep what he has gained. Chapter 23, be not not among wine-bibbers and gluttons and lazy people or you'll come to want. Chapter 27, take a pledge of a man for a strange woman. In other words, uh, he's... He's involving himself in risky enterprises. Not just a strange woman is being warned there, but about a, a stranger as well. He doesn't know the person that he's getting involved with, and so he's in a, a risky in, uh, enterprise with what has been entrusted to him and he's in for a fall. Over and over again, there are verses that I'm not quoting today. Uh, next subject, beware of idolatry and trust in our riches. The love of money is worn over and over again. Labor not to be rich, chapter 23. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, verse uh, chapter 11. Do not trust in riches, chapter eleven twenty-eight, or you'll fall. Uh, Who's greedy of gain will trouble his house. He that hateth gifts shall live. Better is little with righteousness than great revenue without righteousness. Uh, a modest lifestyle, again, is better than a house full of strife with all kinds of sacrifices that's what chapter 17 verse 1 indicates better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife the rich person answers roughly but the poor entreats the point there is if you are entrusted with wealth be a humble person And don't look down your nose at people that are not as well-to-do. Remember, the Lord said the poor will have always with us. He arranges it so that the, the, the wealthy are challenged to show humility and generosity. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Don't show or give partiality. Again, He's challenging us to be spiritual with our material things. Chapter 22, verse 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. How often we forget who gave us what we have. and it needs to hum- We need to be humbled by God's goodness. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that hastes to be rich has an evil eye. Chapter 28. I mean, this is all over. Robbing parents is a sin. Like the Pharisees. Chapter 28, verse 24. Proverbs warns us next, and I know this is overwhelming, but I'm just touching the surface. Proverbs warns us about unjust business practices, price gouging. He says, we'll be cursed if we withhold the corn in times of need, chapter 11. False balances are abomination to the Lord. A bribery distorts justice, chapter 17. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer. But when he has gone his way, he boasts. He's a liar and a thief. He says, that's only worth this much money. And he knows it's worth what the person's asking for. And he, he uh, argues himself down because he knows the man needs the money and he may not have another buyer that day. And so he says, okay, I know it's worth this much, but... I need the money. That's where we should step up and say, then take what it's worth. We ought not to rob and to steal. We had situations like this at yard sales. You know, people don't realize what they've put on an item that should have been more money. And do you realize that, that you put this price on the, on the, on the object? We should, we should be honest enough not to say, hey, wow, that's a steal. Instead of realizing, you know, maybe they're a little—they're missing something here. Better to lose a few dollars than to leave with a guilty conscience. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. In other words, this is wealth that's gained dishonestly. Chapter 20, verse 21, Inheritance gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. Ask the prodigal son. Chapter 21, verse 6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity. Chapter 22. Oppress the poor, and and if you give to the rich, the Lord will spoil you, it says. Remove not the ancient landmarks which the fathers have set. Enter not into the fields of the fatherless. So many warnings about unjust business practices. I'm not yet done. Let's remember just and merciful business practices. Sell items, especially in difficult times, and don't gouge the prices. God says a blessing will be upon him that sells the corn in times of need. Chapter eleven, twenty six. He that winneth souls is wise. And that's not just talking spiritually. But Jesus told a parable about a person that used his wealth to win people. And then he basically was saying the wealth ended up leaving the man for riches make themselves wings and fly away. But the point of the matter was this man used his wealth when he had it to reach people with the Gospel. He lost his wealth and became poor. But when he went to glory in the everlasting habitations, people were coming up to him and saying, your kindness and your generosity and your your help We're we're instrumental in me being saved and thinking about my own soul and salvation. Thank you. Isn't that repayment for our generosity? Who needs necessarily repayment in this life? But in the life to come, meeting people that you and I have been generous to and kind to and helpful of, a just and merciful business practice, and then just simply wise business practices. First of all, acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways. And that comes under tithe, doesn't it? Firstly, acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways and He'll direct our steps. Much increases by the strength of the ox. Well, make sure your ox is healthy. Make sure you buy the right ox. So, but there's wise principles here. Chapter 20 uh, the discipline regarding our sleep habits. We certainly need our sleep, but every person may have a different amount of time that he needs. But we need to be careful that we don't sleep too long. Or even sleep too... So, some some men have said at the end of their lives when they, their health broke down that they really should have had more sleep than they allowed themselves. Open thine eyes and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. In other words, get up. Start a project. Chapter 24 and verse 33. Get a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. So the idea is get up. It's time to start a project. Chapter 21, planning. The thoughts of a diligent man tend to plenteousness. Plenteousness. The word thoughts is the word plans. It's good to have a plan before you uh, start on an enterprise. Prepare thy work without and afterward build thy field. Chapter 23, again, plans. Chapter 12 talks about completing a project versus the slothful uh, curtailing of a project and wasting things. To chapter 12 and verse 27. Too often we start a project and don't complete it. We need to pray about it and think about it and plan before we start projects. Remember the the, the psalm, the proverb says that people will laugh at the person who is always starting a project and and uh, casting away his materials because he has failed. Or maybe he, he entered a venture that was over his head. 12.27 I think there's both here. Not only preparing a, to prepare a project uh, but also to complete it. For it says, the slothful man roasteth not that which that which he took in hunting but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Now, perhaps this is talking about a person that's, that's uh, imbalanced. Now he he took something in hunting. I don't think it's saying the man just stumbled across a deer while he was sleeping and leaning against a tree. I think it's saying the man actually is prepared for the project, but he didn't finish it. He got the deer, you know, he planned it out. he he tracked a deer or he you know he snuck up on it or he waited in the right spot. He studied all the moves that a hunter should make. He gets his prize, his quarry. And then he doesn't roast, which he took in hunting. So both are indicated here. We need to complete his project if, it's, if we start it, and we need to make sure that we don't, start, we don't uh, start a project that is impossible to complete. And then it's good to have mutual instruction and mutual interaction. Chapter twenty-seven, verse seventeen, is iron sharpeneth iron. So man count sharpens the countenance of his friend and the multitude of counselors, their safety. So we have wise business practices. Well, what can we take from this study today? I hope that it just hasn't been overwhelming because we know there are so many verses that are are scattered throughout Proverbs about wealth, money, and business practices. But it really does come down to being good stewards uh, of God's possessions of god's earth he said be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and it's really a principle not only in the first table of the law but but not stealing but being generous and, and so taking care If a man does not take care of his own we're told in the new testament he's worse than an infidel and uh, our neighbor should see that christians above above all others are are faithful in providing for their own and are generous in looking outside their own uh, things and their own families and even their own churches. We should be a people that are known for diligence, for a good work ethic, for generosity, for honoring the Lord. How many people have, have we heard, and many of them are unbelievers, I could never afford to tie. Well, there's no heart to it. But a believer of all is, is the one that says, I can't afford not to obey God. Because I know that the Lord can take my health away in a moment. I know the Lord can cause my riches to get wings and fly away. I know that I need to honor the Lord and acknowledge him in all of my ways. All belongs to the Lord. Have a good work ethic. Make sure that we honor him with the first fruits of all of our increase. Let's be generous people. Let's make sure that our gain is honest. Let's make sure that we save. Let's make sure we, we marry a good spouse and raise frugal and kind and generous children. Avoid unnecessary and impulsive debts. Discern material versus spiritual um, riches. Value gain. Avoid waste. Beware of idolatry and the trust of riches, the love of money. That's the fruit of all evil. Beware of unjust business practices. Let's engage in just and merciful and wise business practices. Let us be like Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And to be good stewards of God's possessions. Amen.